0: SNAP Production. Hello and welcome to The Briefing. I'm Katrina Blowers. It is Tuesday, the 14th of September. It's also a pretty exciting day for Annika Smethurst because it's the eve of you bringing an exciting new project into the world. Yeah, I'm almost at the
1: stage where I can enjoy it, Katrina. I have (laughs) written a book. As many people know, Tom's writing a book. I'm writing a book and it is a struggle along the way. But when you do finally get to see it, Go on sale tomorrow, or in shops. It's really, really cool. It just uh, takes a
0: while to get to that point. (laughs) I can tell you, it's a labour of love. (laughs) Sure, it's a huge achievement. So in Victoria, I guess you're still not able to go around shopping centres and see that on the shelves. But what can people look for? What what what's the what's the name of the book?
1: No, sadly not, but I am told people are buying more books in lockdown, which is great to hear, whether it's mine or any other books. I endorse reading, but if you can't get to the shops, it's available online. It's called The Accidental Prime Minister, and it is a somewhat of a biography of our current Prime Minister, who you might not know anything about. Maybe you want to know more about him. I don't know. There's a bit of everything in there for people. So if everyone could jump online, buy a copy. If not, grab it from your library, read extracts
0: from the paper. I don't mind, but hope it's enjoyed. (laughs) I will definitely be buying a copy and a huge congratulations to you Annika because that it takes so much to write a book and I think that this topic is so, so timely, so well done. Now on today's briefing, we are going to take a look at those new abortion laws you might have heard about that were introduced in the US state of Texas.
2: This is how this law works, so they can be sued by any private citizen And if that citizen wins the case, they get $10,000. So there's effectively a bounty out on people providing abortions.
0: Yeah, Case, where truth really is stranger than fiction here, an incredible topic on today's briefing, which was suggested to us by one of our listeners. That's coming up in the second part of this episode. But first, here's the headlines. Victoria will now give construction
1: workers priority access to vaccines while also launching an enforcement blitz to make sure the industry is following COVID restrictions.
2: We'll be stepping up compliance and making sure that the industry in all its different manifestations uh, recognises their obligations with regard to the Chief Health Officer's orders.
1: Mm, something that's definitely needed in my suburbs State Industrial Relations
0: Minister Tim Pallas speaking there.
1: Yeah. so the government
0: will this week open up 20,000 Pfizer appointments and unlimited AstraZeneca appointments for construction workers, while 50 compliance teams will be inspecting work sites. The minister said the number of builders and tradies travelling around Melbourne meant the industry was a growing source of transmission.
2: The construction industry is young, it's mobile, they Often visit multiple sites, and they return home to all areas of metropolitan Melbourne.
1: Around 120 cases have already been linked to a construction site in the city's east, with authorities warning
0: tea rooms have become a source of a number of infections. Let's go to New South Wales now, where Premier Gladys Berejiklian will today meet with mayors from Sydney's hotspot LGAs as she comes under pressure to release individual suburbs from the harshest of those restrictions. So she'll be meeting with the mayors of the city's 12 hotspot LGAs, some of whom have been accusing her of snubbing them. It comes as nine newspapers report
1: members of the Berejiklian government have called for her to release suburbs with low-case numbers within the LGAs from the toughest restrictions. The Premier has also defended the decision behind the lockdowns after a parliamentary inquiry revealed authorities waited two days to impose restrictions after discovering they had not contained a super spreader event in Sydney's west.
2: These are decisions we took based on the health advice and uh, again there'll be people that said we went too hard and too soon others will say we were, you know, not hard enough.
0: Yeah, so the Yass District in southern New South Wales has also gone back into lockdown after a positive case there. They only had uh, two days of ease restrictions. Meanwhile, in Queensland, that border bubble has reopened. It's just for students and essential workers. Unfortunately, Annika, I know that you're in lockdown, but even if you could, people still can't make it up to the Gold Coast (laughs) for those school holidays. It is just uh, for essential work only. A record harvest is on the way, but farmers say they just don't have enough pickers and packers to help them. Farmers
1: are now calling on state governments to adopt a more flexible quarantine for incoming arrivals warning current caps could leave their industry short of more than 10,000 workers. That's quite a lot. After some trials, industry groups in the Commonwealth are calling on states to allow the workers to quarantine in homes or on farms, saying Pacific workers have been the lifeblood of these regional communities.
0: And what that could mean for everyday consumers is that things like uh, fruit and veg are just going to cost more, especially come Christmas time, as prices reflect that labour shortage. Indonesia's counter-terrorism squad have
1: arrested a suspected leader of the group behind the Bali bombings. Abu Ruzdan was taken into custody on Friday and police say they believe... He's been leading or one of the leaders of Jama Islamiyah. Now, that's the Islamic militant
0: group blamed for a string of terror attacks, including the 2002 Bali bombings. So that group was banned in Indonesia in 2008 and its network has been weakened with US and Australian support for Indonesia's counter-terrorism effort. And what about this? Aussie wheelchair tennis star Dylan Orcott has become the first man in history to complete a tennis golden slam. Someone said, I have the hopes of the nation on my shoulders. And I laughed
2: and I thought, I think Australia would have survived if I lost. But now I've got the golden slam. Bloody hell,
1: Mahesia, I can't believe No, I don't know if we would have, Dylan. <laughs> honestly, look, that's Dylan Orcott speaking to the ABC there. The 30-year-old won the US Open men's final yesterday, and that comes after wins in the Australian Open, French Open, Wimbledon and the
0: Olympics. So winning all those titles has secured Orcott the title of Golden Slam Holder. I'd quite like that. Uh, <laughs> it sounds pretty cool, which has previously only been achieved by a handful of female players. Okay, coming up next, we take a deep dive into the Texas abortion laws, how tough they are for women living in that state and whether they could happen
2: here.
1: Today's briefing topic was sent in on Instagram by one of our regular listeners, Adriana.
0: Hey guys, Adriana here. Love listening to your podcast to keep up to date with my current affairs. Was just wondering if you could do a bit of a deep dive into the quite shocking decision recently in Texas to ban abortions. Was just wanting a bit more info around uh, how this law got passed and whether there's a lot of support for it there in Texas. Thanks a lot. Love your work. Bye. Thank you so much, Adriana. And just as a side note, if you have a topic you would like us to explore, you can follow us over at The Briefing on Instagram and just send us a DM. We would love to hear from you.
1: So, Adriana's talking about the recent decision by the US state of Texas to effectively ban women from having abortions from as early as
0: six weeks into their pregnancy based on when you can hear the fetal heartbeat. So this is hugely controversial, not only because it effectively bans most abortions, but offers cash incentives for citizens to job their fellow citizens in. So ordinary people who sue those involved in abortions can collect cash payments of 10 grand as well as their legal fees if that court case is successful.
2: Majority of abortions in Texas are now banned. The law known as Senate Bill 8
0: prohibits abortions after six weeks. What happened in texas is that they turned the clock back
2: 50 years abortion matters for all of us our creator Endowed us with the right to life. The Texas law is crafted to
0: try and make any legal challenge difficult.
1: So to explain more about how this extraordinary law unfolded and whether anything like this could ever happen here in Australia, we're joined by Professor David Smith from the United States Studies Centre at the University of Sydney.
0: Professor Smith, thank you so much for joining us on the briefing. So, Texas has moved to ban abortions from as early as six weeks. Can you first of all tell us what prompted that move?
2: So a lot of states in the US have made moves to ban abortion after six weeks. This is seen as a way of essentially ending abortion altogether in the state. 85% of abortions take place after that six week mark. The idea of putting it at six weeks is that very, very few abortions will be able to take place and that abortion providers are potentially going to be legally liable for being sued for huge amounts of money. So it's a way of trying to put abortion providers out of business. A lot of states have passed similar laws previously, but all of these laws that have been passed previously have had Preemptive blocks put on them by courts. So because they violate the Constitution, so under Roe versus Wade, states can't ban abortion outright, and under the 1992 decision of Casey, states can't put undue restrictions on abortion before the period of fetal viability, so that's sometime after 20 weeks. Usually when states have passed these six-week laws, state or federal courts have said almost immediately that officials who try to enforce these laws will be sued because it's unconstitutional.
0: So the significance, we should just clarify that, the significance of that six-week timeline is because that's usually when you can hear the heartbeat, isn't it?
2: Yeah, so this is the reasoning in the legislature that once you can hear the heartbeat then according to these lawmakers you are dealing with a human being and so therefore someone with rights but historically the standard in the united states was the period of fetal viability so this isn't so much a scientific question as a moral question really it's all about when the fetus begins to assume rights that actually take precedence over the rights of the mother who is carrying the fetus.
1: I was wondering when the law came into effect, how it works in terms of once it has passed, and also what compliance has been like across the state.
2: Well, what this law was designed to do was actually evade courts trying to block it preemptively. So the compliance regime with this law looks very, very different from any other law. State officials, law enforcement officers aren't involved in carrying out this law at all. Instead, the way it works is that any private citizen can sue an abortion provider who uh, carries out an abortion after six weeks, not just an abortion provider, anyone in any way involved in the abortion except for the patient herself. So anybody who raises money to pay for an abortion, even potentially a taxi driver who takes somebody to get an abortion. Oh my gosh,
0: I didn't know that.
2: This is how this law works. So they can be sued by any private citizen And if that citizen wins the case, they get $10,000. So there's effectively a bounty out on people providing abortions. It is up to citizens to do the suing. And the reason why that was put in place was so that if abortion providers went to court to try to preemptively stop the law, they wouldn't be able to do it because the court wouldn't know who to sue. Potentially anybody out there is essentially an enforcer of this law. Whereas usually when a court wants to preemptively block legislation like this, they can target law enforcement officials and government officers. They can't do that with this law because they're not the ones who are enforcing it. It's private citizens. As far as I understand it, that basically all abortion providers in Texas have stopped for the time being performing any abortions because they're worried that even if they perform an abortion within that 6 week period people are still going to go after them so it's it has had the effect of essentially shutting down abortion providers across Texas which is what the law was designed to do it's really quite an alarming law in terms of not just the fact that it essentially has stopped abortions in the state of Texas, but it's this new era of vigilanteism.
1: Are there any exceptions in Texas at the moment, whether that be rape or the age of a mother? And what rights do women have to, I guess, sneak across the border and go into another state? Is that an option?
2: To this law, there are no exemptions for rape or incest, which makes it not just one of the toughest abortion laws in America, that makes it one of the toughest abortion laws in the world. Even countries with a lot of restrictions on abortion generally make exceptions for rape or incest. This law doesn't. So the options that are available to women from Texas, yes, are crossing the border, although in practical terms for many women. That often isn't an option. I mean, the resources required to go and cross the border and go and stay somewhere while a procedure takes place, a lot of women don't have those resources.
0: Gosh, so is Texas alone here or are other US states similarly restrictive?
2: Texas is alone for the time being, but it won't be alone for very long. Now that states have seen how this works, and they've seen the fact that this survived an initial case being taken to the Supreme Court, I think seven other states are already in the process of writing very similar laws. As I mentioned earlier, previously states have passed similar heartbeat laws outlawing abortion at six weeks, but it's always been preemptively blocked by the courts. Those states that have done that will now probably rewrite their laws in the same way. So Texas is not going to be alone for very long.
1: Reproductive rights tend to feature quite highly in US elections and in campaigns. Is this an issue that swings votes? And is it as simple as the Republican Party being against it and the Democrats being in favour of it? Or is it more nuanced than that?
2: It didn't used to be the case that all Republicans were pro-life and all Democrats were pro-choice. The party coalitions used to be a lot more complicated than that. But what's happened now, as there's been more and more party polarisation in the US around these moral issues So increasingly, Republicans have become the party of traditional religious values, whereas Democrats have become the party of liberal and secular values. Now you do see it would be very hard to get elected as a Republican if you were pro-choice, and it would probably be even harder to get elected as a Democrat if you were pro-life. This has basically become the single greatest dividing issue between the two parties. It has just become this very symbolically important issue that it's really not just about abortion itself, it's about the entire way that you see the world.
0: So for people listening who are thinking, my goodness, could this ever happen in Australia? Um, Abortion laws are state laws in this country. What Mm. would you say to that? Could it ever happen
2: here? It's very, very unlikely The issue doesn't become nationalised in Australia in the same way that it does in the US, and it doesn't work in the same way in Australia. Religious values, they certainly are present in Australian politics, but they are not so prominent. So I don't see it as very likely in Australia at all.
1: You touched on it earlier, and I just wanted to ask finally, some of our listeners may have heard of the famous Roe v. Wade case in 1973, Mm. which actually did establish a constitutional right to the procedure in the US. I know this has been, I guess, sneaky in its drafting, but given Mm. that, how do they fit together and is there a possibility that this actually might be overruled in the US?
2: Yeah, there's a strong possibility that this Texas law will ultimately be ruled unconstitutional, but that could take years. It could take years of legal challenges, which have to start in state courts, then work their way up through federal courts and then get to the Supreme Court. Now there has been speculation though, that this could be the Supreme Court that finally overturns Roe versus Wade, which has been a long-term goal of the conservative legal movement and of conservative politics in the United States. Roe versus Wade is a sort of cobbled together framework from different amendments to the Constitution, most importantly, the 14th Amendment, which is due process, but also taking other amendments from the Bill of Rights to assemble this idea that there is an implied right to privacy in the Constitution. And this was something that first came out in cases around birth control in the 1960s. Most people think that it should remain legal, but many people aren't particularly happy about the fact that it happens. It could be the case that this Texas law does eventually get ruled unconstitutional, but it could also be the case that this is the beginning of the end of Roe v. Wade, Whether that then leads to a very restrictive abortion regime or it leads to a new, much more solid foundation for abortion rights is anybody's guess at this point.
0: So that was Professor David Smith from the United States Studies Centre at the University of Sydney. Uh, Lots to unpack there, Annika.
1: Yeah, it's obviously a very emotive issue for a lot of people, Um, particularly in the US. He said, you know, this is an election decider, whereas here it's a state issue. And you don't hear about it too much, I think, as he pointed out. It's not something the conservative side of politics really used to harness that mm-hmm. many votes and, and and mobilise people. I think one thing I do find interesting is that many people when they hear six weeks pregnant might think that that means it was conceived six weeks ago but that's not necessarily the case because pregnancies of course are measured from the first date of the women's last menstrual cycle which actually mm-hmm. means that that's before often people well often is before people have sex so that means you're really four weeks post sleeping with somebody and there is a strong chance that many people in this situation genuinely wouldn't know that they were pregnant at this stage.
0: Absolutely I would say nearly everyone unless you're actively uh, on top of that and, and really monitoring that situation so yeah that puts a lot of women in a really tough situation there. And tomorrow on the briefing, the cool down. Some of Australia's biggest name athletes get behind the push for climate change.
2: Listener.